Hello, everybody. Jerry Jones here with the Jerry Jones Direct Radio Show. And um, this is a radio show where we interview all sorts of folks, dentists, um, physicians, um, CPAs, uh, you name it. I've got a guy come up here pretty soon on, our, on a podcast. We're going to talk about implants. And you talk about something I know nothing about. Um, but I want to know more because I have a daughter that's going to be getting one. So I'm kind of curious. But uh, so we do a little bit of everything here on the podcast. And today I've got with me a longtime friend uh, of Jerry Jones Direct and me personally, and uh, someone I look up to and who's done just a phenomenal job taking dentists beyond their practice. And I think, you know, that, and when I think what this guy does, it's really that it's taking dentists beyond their practice and positioning them for a lifestyle worthy of a dentist. And that doesn't mean a dentist pension pennies um, because I don't like to see that. I like to see dentists, um, with all the financial freedom they can possibly muster. So with me um, on our show today is Dr. David Phelps. David's out of the Dallas, Texas area, and he is the CEO and founder of Freedom Founder, Founders, uh, which is the big plan B company. Um, so what do dentists do after they're done practicing? That's Dr. Phelps. So David, welcome to the show. Good to have you, good to see you. Um, others can't see you, but I can, and it's great to be here with you. And as always, um, this'll be a lot of fun. So you know, keep your ears peeled. Um, for some real high quality content and uh, and some good times as well here for the next 30 minutes or so. But David, welcome to the show. Sure, thanks for having me on. Uh, love being here. It's um, This will be a lot of fun. We're going to talk, I think, a little bit about the state of dentistry. And as our listeners know, um, we released the state of dentistry a few uh, weeks back. I don't know when this podcast is going to air exactly, but it was released in early, uh, mid-February-ish. And, um, and we've had some incredible feedback from all over the country already. Um, and so David, I'm looking for, to get out of this time with you today is really, I mean, you've read the state of dentistry. Um, you're going to be included in the next edition of the state of dentistry. And so I'm really interested from your perspective on your thoughts about what's happening in, in dentistry, what's happening to the solo practice. Um, you know, your thoughts on DSOs, um, your thoughts on insurance, because the impact that insurance is making, I think, I mean, just that one topic alone, we could spend days talking about because a lot of dentists are afraid of the insurance companies. They, they think, you know, they're evil and they're horrible. And man, I'll tell you what, um, what I'm seeing from a different side of the coin with insurance companies is, look, these people really, this, these companies really want to crack down on the explosive costs of medical, of medical, you know, and so they're seeing dentistry as a way to do that. And so there's this massive movement that's afoot in the insurance industry that's kind of hidden. And, and that's exciting to me. And that's something that I interviewed a guy uh, the other day about. And it's fascinating stuff. Um, I'm, getting, I'm making friends with some dental directors of Delta Dental and some of the other big companies out there because I want to know what they see and what, what's going on. So, David, I'd love to have your thoughts. So, let's just freewheel this thing and have a good time and, and uh, see if we can help some folks get their thinking, you know, squared away and be accurate in their thinking instead of just, you know, knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, really good, Jerry. Well, the, as we know, there is enormous pressure uh, in the healthcare industry overall to, to reduce costs because uh, there, there's no containment, right? It's just, it's just, it's been a runaway train for decades and uh, our country can't continue to have that happen. So, so yes, uh, some, a lot of people in the industry, uh, practitioners, physicians, dentists, optometrists, chiropractors, uh, I think they, they all typically see the insurance companies as evil, right? Um, look, no matter how you look at it, insurance companies exist, they will exist. Uh, they are the arbiter between uh, the, the, the patient, uh, the money, if you will, and the practitioner. So they're there, they're there to make a profit, no question about it. And you can say what you will about their profits and what their CEOs make, and I get all that, right? But that doesn't change, that does not change where, where the individual independent 
practitioners uh, need, need, to, need to put their, their, um, their attention. I hear, you know, I hear Jerry, a lot of times, um, a lot of practitioners are, are wailing and crying because, you know, uh, the trade association, you know, the American Dental Association, for example, you know, is not doing enough. Look, uh, you know, their hands are tied. They're a big political group now. Uh, you know, you, you can't rely on organizations to do your work for you. What, what every dentist has got to look at today is, is where he or she wants to position themselves for the future, whatever their future is, whether they're three or five years out thinking from exiting practice or there may be mid-career docs with 15 or 20 years. And there's young docs coming out today with, uh, you know, ideally a career of 30 years or more, perhaps. Uh, but they also have these issues with debt. Same thing, the, the cost, costs are going up. So insurance companies, you're right. Uh, they are looking at how can we contain costs? And we're seeing, I think this is what you were alluding to when you talked about the, the call you had the other night. We see this, um, this new model of integ integrating uh, dentistry with the overall systemic medical complex, right? So where yep. now we're looking at, at, at dentists and here's the, so here's the opportunity. So we're, we look at all that, everybody looks at the negativity because nobody likes change, right? Nobody likes change. I don't particularly like change, but you know, Jerry, I've learned to embrace it because when I do embrace it, when I become an early adopter to change, I can see the positioning. There's too many dentists who have their heads in the sand and saying, well, this is never going to happen. I'll never do this. Look, you, you got you to decide. You got to decide. So the opportunity here is, is for, you know, oral physicians. Who's that? That's the dentist. Now, you can either decide to play ball, you know, and figure out how you're going to be in part of this system or you're going to put yourself on the outside where you're going you're gonna to be an outlier. That, like, like you're going to have no way to integrate with this. The demand is there. It's not just the insurance companies, Jerry. It's the consumer, the patients, you know, you and me and people listening to this podcast, when we think about our, our own health care, whether it's dentistry or otherwise, what do we want? We want integrated services. I don't want to have to go, you know, to, to five different places and have five different opinions. I want to get all my treatment done in one place. I want to have it, you know, under, under one roof where, where I get, you know, integrated treatment where, in this case, the, the oral physician, the dentist, can, can be the front line to all kinds of other systemic issues. It's an opportunity, but you can't, you can't play small ball. You can't, you can't be saying, I'm just going to be independent. I'm not going to do, deal with any of these people. Those days are way, way, way over. You've got to decide how you're going to play ball, and we can talk more about that. So that's my, my, first, my first look at all this. Change is inevitable. Change is the only constant we have. You've got to get in and decide how to play ball. Within that, Jerry, we can talk about there's different models, and it doesn't mean everybody has to you know, be part of some big, big, big DSO. Don't have to do that, but you've got to figure out how are you going to intertwine yourself, your practice, your desire, your career, within this, with, and be a cog within this, this bigger complex, which – it's driving. You can't, you can't stop this. It's, 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 it's inevitable. This, this is the way things are going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was talking to a, uh, one of my clients who's also a client of yours um, the other day and his request was, Hey, I want to do a whole body wellness approach to my marketing. So we're literally re retooling his marketing, you know, his external marketing and it's going to this whole body wellness idea. And um, you know, that to me, I mean, that's, you know, it, looking at where things how things have developed. I mean, just for example, um, Connecticut, New Jersey, the dental director for Delta there in Connecticut, New Jersey, Keith LeBeau, um, he, he wrote the code for A1C testing. He wrote the CDT codes for it and Connecticut is, is on board. New Jersey is coming this year, probably within a month or two. Uh, so now dentists in those two states can get a nice little reimbursement from Delta Dental for doing an A1C test. Now, from Delta's perspective, that impacts their medical side, right? Because Absolutely. if they can catch that early, uh, you know, and so I had a real nice conversation with Keith about that. And he said, you know, some of the changes are positive in the coding and some of them, you know, are, are negative, <laughs> but they're balancing out, but there are opportunities. And so 
to me in business, you go where the opportunities are. You don't drag your, you know, you don't dig your heels in your claws in and reluctantly be drugged anywhere. You, you take, you know, you take advantage of that. And so now I think there's opportunity, like you said, for positioning a new model of practice. That doesn't mean you have to remodel. That doesn't mean you have to change your signs. It means the way you communicate with your patients and the way you promote your practice internally and externally can change and take advantage of this. Because like you said, the integration is coming. You know, the model that Kaiser Permanente has put out there and they've been using for years, decades, is medical and dental coexist. And now they're sharing records and they're beginning to see they're probably on the cutting edge of this. If there is any, any organization that is, it's probably Kaiser. Now, who knows what their care is like? It's not for me to decide what that's like. I'm not a, I'm not a patient there, nor would I be a patient there based on what I know. But if you look at what they're accomplishing and what they're, you know, they're, they're going to outcome based. So dentists are going to need to understand how to create a practice that works when they're, when they're outcome based when they're paid based on outcomes and not based on procedure. Exactly. So now, you know, the, those measurements of the, you know, the, the, you know, seven millimeter pockets going down to six, going down to five, that's an outcome. And that's something the insurance company can say, Hey, good job. Good job, patient. Here you go. Right. You're paid now. Uh, as opposed to, you know, well, yeah, it didn't work. Um, well, then that's the patient's problem. <laughs> you know, um, the dentist got paid. He's happy, whatever. So yeah, I think things are changing and, and you need to be aware of how those, are going to impact you because I think there's some massive shifts coming in insurance. Um, yeah. And some of them are very positive, like, you know, using blockchain, for example. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with Mark Cooper about that. I didn't include it in the state of dentistry because it wasn't something that, you know, I think a lot of people don't even, most don't know what blockchain means. And I read an article today, Jamie Dimon, who, who was an, you know, who was a, you know, outlier on, uh, on Bitcoin said, you know, it's, it's, it's a scam. Now JP Morgan is coming out with their own, with their own cryptocurrency. So um, that's, that's the future. And so, okay, what does that mean for dentistry? How does that impact care? How does that impact the way third parties interact with, with the dental practices? So there's all this wild, crazy, wild west stuff going on. So what do you, what do you think, David, about, um, specifically about, you know, the solo practice, you and I deal with a lot of the same demographic of dentists, right? Our, my client is oftentimes your client or is sure. that, you know, the, the same sort of uh, arena. Yes. 50 plus, you know, most of the time, 50, 55 plus in age, male, um, sometimes female, but most of the time male. And, you know, cause that's mostly who's practicing that's that age. Cause now this year, 51% of women are, I'm sorry, 51% of the 6,000 grads are women this year. Yes. So that begins to other changes are, are, you know, coming, coming out of dentistry as well. So, I mean, what are you thought? What are your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen to these folks who, who are just, you know, reluctant, hesitant, scared, nervous, pissed oh. off? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, it's unfortunate because without, without looking at the change that's necessary, uh, I think their ability to continue on in their current model, that being trying to stay independent solo without, without doing any of the things you just mentioned, uh, become more holistic and, and market a different message to the patients they seek to, to attract without doing, making changes, putting their head in the sand, uh, their practice income, practice value is going to just diminish. And so I guess, I guess if somebody thinks, well, I'm good enough to in good enough shape where I can do this for a few more years and just exit. And I'm not really going to rely on the sell of my practice for any, any major equity for my retirement. Then yeah, if that, if that's your plan. And you're at that age and that point, then I'd say just sail on and finish out. But for the rest, uh, and I think the rest, it's, it's a, it's a good number. It's a good percentage of that over age 50, as you just described, really got to look at, at where they are and, and how they can integrate. And of course, the older we are, the harder it is to change, doggone it. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's human nature. Uh, but putting your head in the sand is not going not gonna to make a difference. The, 
that what, what consumers want today and what technology uh, is, is, is offering, the technology uh, that's available today, and we know what the costs are for, for, for some of the technology, it's, it, it's high cost. And I don't believe a solo practitioner can continue to keep up with that. Uh, and also from the outside as a solo independent practitioner, you have no leverage. Uh, the marketplace is being driven by, by consolidation. Uh, by the DSOs, uh, in conjunction with many times insurance companies. I'm not going to use the C word here, but you know there is there is there's there's work going on behind the, behind the scenes that kind of leave the solo independent dentist out. Uh, you have no leverage uh, with with suppliers, manufacturers, with insurance companies, uh, with a smaller uh, group type practice. Yeah, you've got some say in, in how, you, how you integrate and maybe some say in, in fee reimbursement. So the soloist is going to have a hard time. I think the exception, Jerry, and I think you would agree is you know, in certain demographic areas, I'm talking about you know, very, very well-defined uh, affluent uh, urban markets, maybe in, on the other side in, in very rural markets where there can't be as much entrenchment, uh, there may be more of an ability to survive with kind of a more same old model. But again, that's gonna diminish uh, over the years. So there's a window here where people have got to decide either I'm gonna exit on my current model and just call it good, or I better get with it here and plant my, my stake in the ground and say, here's how I'm gonna play ball problem again is 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 dentists and you know i am one i understand it's it's hard to give up control it's hard to collaborate with other people because we we've everything we've built our our livelihood on jerry has been has been on 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 us and 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 our training and our expertise and and we don't partner up very well most of us don't partner up very well and now we're talking about about collaboration here with not just other other single individual docs as in associates and partnerships but but conglomerates here how do we position to play ball there? That's, that's really got to be the key here question. And I think, I think doctors who are, are pushing back and saying, well, never, 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 big mistake. Uh, you can still decide how you want to practice. And I think you can, but it's going to be different. It's just, it's going to be different. And if you want to have a livelihood that carries you to what I call freedom in life, uh, you've got to decide what the model's going to look like. And don't just think you can, you can withstand the forces that are coming. Yeah. David, what are, what are some of the comments that you're hearing from dentists who are talking to you on a regular basis? What, what are their, um, what are their fears? Uh, and, and what, yeah, what are some of them looking to as a way out, you know, or as a, you know, like what's helping them get through this period of time? Well, we, we, at Freedom Founders, we do with our elite group, uh, which again, is that, that avatar you talked about 50 plus, and a number of them that are in their mid 50s to latter 50s, maybe early 60s, are definitely right at that point where they're looking at, at transitioning. Now we help them make, make that easier because we can help them take whatever equity they have and turn it into more sustainable cash flow. But that being said, they still would like to exit uh, on a basis that works best for them, for their practice. And so we know right now that the, the consolidation and the DSOs, Wall Street private equity money, has, has brought a ton more liquidity to the marketplace, liquidity in, in the dental practice arena that we've never seen before in history. So if, you, if you're positioned to work with and want to exit via a DSO, the opportunity to get a far greater multiple of EBITDA is there today. It's there today, right now. Now, now I don't yes. think anything stays, stays the same. It's not gonna be a constant for forever, for an indefinite period of time. I, I believe at some point the consolidation Will, will end up being more de, de novo practices, startup. They're, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna pick off all the existing practices that fit their model. And then they're gonna say, you know what? It's a whole lot cheaper for us to just go out and start, start de novo and just build our, our whole plant, our whole system based on what we want. So there's a window. 
So the so docs I hear talking about, someone say, well, the evil, evil DSOs, I will never sell to them. Okay, 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 okay. That, that, you know, I, I've got to sell to private. You know, that, and that's okay because, you know, there are still opportunities, but, but your, 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 um, your opportunity, the, the numbers of, 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 of buyers uh, dwindles uh, tremendously when you're only going to the private market today. Uh, your practice has got a certain niche. If your practice is, has been primarily fee-for-service, uh, awesome, you know, but are you going to be able to sell that fee-for-service practice at a decent enough multiple to a young doctor who's coming out with, with no great skill sets and a carrying along, you know, $500,000 more in, in debt um, and then add practice, practice debt to that? Are you going to be able to sell to them? Probably not very easily. You're going to take a diminished value valuation on that sale. So you have to decide what's important to you uh, on that. On the yeah. next. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, if you want to stay on or actually, you know, the DSOs will pretty much require the selling doctors down because, because they, they need longevity there, right? So they want you to stay on for two, three, maybe up to five years. That's part of the process. Is that going to fit for you? Can, can you? can you do that? You've got to be very discerning about, you know, who you do jump into bed with. So these are the issues that we're hearing. And it's, there's not a straight shot, right? Um, I, mean, I mean, people have got to really look and gather information. It's just like we do in real estate. You've got to do your due diligence. That means digging in. That means, means, means really starting to understand the different models. Uh, in snatch, you've got to learn or at least get good advice on contracts. I hear horror stories, as I know you do all the time, about, about dentists who naively, unknowingly uh, entered into contracts with, with different uh, corporations uh, and didn't read the fine print and had no one look over the shoulder. And, you know, they got into stuff that, 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 that they hated that was actually detrimental to themselves just because they didn't know what they didn't know. So it's a, it's a different world out there for dentists today. You've got to, you've got to have as much of a business hat on as you do your clinician head on. And that was not the way it was when I was in practice, you know, 20 and 30 years ago, Jerry, where if you were just, you know, a, a decent ethical and, and, and clinically competent doctor, you could make it fine. You didn't really have to be a very good business person to make it today. It's, it's turned around completely. And, how, yeah. and where do young doctors get this coming out of, coming out of school uh, with all the debt again, it's, it's, and, that, and that's where the, the corporations are, 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 are filling their, their, their chairs, their chairs with, with doctors. Yeah. It's, it's from the young docs because they, they have no choice. The private yeah. model could, 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 could theoretically work, Jerry, because there are some really good mentors out there in private practice that, that again, I would, I would take a very low salary to go learn from them, few and far between. Most of them out there, as we know, don't have a clue as how to bring someone on. They, you know, they make promises. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a horrid mess. So what do the, what do the young docs do? They go, well, I'm going to corporate because they're going to give me a base and infringe benefits. And actually I can have a little lifestyle out of outside of dentistry, which is what a lot of young people want today. They don't want to be like their parents, you know, who are just grinding it out and, and, and then having, you know, a stroke at age 60 and go, well, that was a great life. They're, they're seeing that through their eyes and they're going, well, we don't want that. So it's that, that in itself, the, the workforce today is changing the dynamics. And you had a good piece of that in your uh, state of dentistry report uh, about that. You know, how do you, how do you deal with the, the changing dynamics of the workforce? The millennials today, yeah. uh, they, they want something totally different. Uh, and with a very low unemployment rate today, you know, obtaining, attracting, and then retaining a good workforce is critical today. And, and doctors, you know, my age, my generation, if you don't learn how to interact and understand what's going through the mind of a millennial, it's not like your mind, hate to tell you. And I'm not saying anything bad about the millennials. I'm just saying they've decided to live a different life. Well, good for them. If that's, the, if that's what most of them want. But we've got to figure out what that is and then and have the skill set, the communication, 
and to and, and flexibility to provide what they want. Otherwise, we got this turnstile, and we, and we get frustrated right in practice because we can't keep anybody. There's a lot of stuff going on here, you know, and I, you just you got me going here on a on a little bit of a rant, but uh, um, it's it's again, Jerry, it's all it's all about change and the fact that none of us want change. We just want to have a routine that goes on for 30 years, and we just check out and go to those golden years, and it's not the way it is. No, and you know what? To hell with the golden years. That's what I say. Look, to me, I kind of, you know, I, 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 I admire, I admire the tenacity to, to pursue, you know, the millennials in their, in their pursuit of, you know, probably what they would call balance. I heard this the other day, Mary Ellen Tribby. I don't know if you know who that is or not. You probably know who she is. Um, this is a gal who, you know, she, she calls it. I don't, I don't believe in balanced you know, work-life balance. I don't believe in extremes one way or the other. She goes, my life is a blended life. I live a very blended life. If I'm on vacation at Disney and I see something to me that appeals to, uh, you know, that might be a great marketing idea, or I see something about customer service that happens to me, I'm going to take, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to make a note of it. And then I'm going to leverage it at some of the point. I thought, God, that's what I've been doing for the last 23, 24 years. When I see something, I stop and I'm like, oh, what is that? My radar is on all the time. And I, you know, and I thought, well, I think I'm living what she's describing a blended life. I always just call it chaos, you know, because I mean, I, I'm, I'm always, I'm always on. I'm That's very right. rarely am I turned off and I'm just like, you know, not in tune. So um, I think, you know, the millennials, um, I admire that in them, that they have that decision made, that they don't want to die with a drill in hand. And, you know, you mentioned um, the changing demographics, you know, the, the women. Look, I mean, women bear children. There's nothing we can do about that. That's just how it is. And so if you're, you know, if it, and that's, I think, a great fit for a DSO. Yes. Because, look, they need a lot of docs. And there's 51% of the grads this year are going to be women. So it, it fits that model very well. And in my own office, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. In 15 years, I had two male dentists in 15 years that worked with me. The rest were female. There were like, you know, seven, six, six women, six different women over a period of time. Two that were, well, three really that were long lasting and um, that were there for a long period of time. One of them went through uh, maternity leave. And, you know, so we were, I was excited. I was like, hey, that's no problem. You know, we'll find somebody to come step in. And, and it worked out great. When she came back, we put her back to work. You know, she did her one or two days a week. And look, I mean, dentistry can be a great, that can be a great lifestyle job right? And that's what a lot of them want. They want a job. They, they, they've got debt. They're not going to open a practice. I mean, look, nobody's going nobody's gonna to come out of dental school with a half a million dollars in debt, looking to buy a home, and then wanting to open a dental practice. That's, that's few and far between. It really is. Most of them come out of dental school, they got this debt. They're like, okay, I need to make some payments. I need to go to work. So here's an opportunity. They're going to give me $10,000 to sign on. That gives me immediate relief, and they're going to give me health insurance, and they're going to give me a 401k, Beautiful. And then you talked about dentists who are selling to DSOs, you know, yes. the, the aging dentist selling. Look, here's the model, guys. This isn't any, I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. The reason why they want you to stick around is so you can pay for the practice they just bought. That's right. I mean, hello, if, let's say you get a million bucks, right? If you're crank, if you're throwing off 250000 a year in net and they, and they want you to work for four years, what did you just do? You just... You just bought your own practice for them. Exactly. So they get the asset basically free. And so after that point, or even if they get three quarters of the way into it, they don't care. You know, they know they can put another doctor in there and keep it going. So, you know, I mean, look, I don't think DSOs are evil. I think they're just a byproduct of the changing, uh, of the changing demographic within dentistry. I mean, if you look at somebody like 
Um, who's, the, who's the demographic guy in Florida? Um, gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, it's, um, uh, you're talking about Henry, Henry Dent? Harry, Harry Dent? Harry Dent, yeah. Harry Dent, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you buy into what Harry says, everything is demogra- Everything is, is based on demographics. Mm-hmm. All the changes in any, in the industry are based on demographics. And if you look at what is happening in dentistry, you could probably drill that right down into the demographic shift, right? Absolutely. So if you think millennials are weird, wait till you see Gen Z. So the millennials are going to be hiring Gen Z and some right. of the late, some of the Gen, you know, Gen X, me, they're going to be hiring some Gen Z people. Yeah. And, you know, my two daughters are Gen Z, totally different than millennials. My two daughters are like, get the hell out of my way. I got work to do. I've got an, an 18, well, she's 20 now, um, a real estate broker. I, I mean, and she's, she's just tearing things up in, in, her, in her practice. I mean, it's like, get out of my way. You know, if you turn her loose and she's just going to go and, you know, she's, if, if the phone rings and it's somebody that, that needs a real estate agent, she'll have them by the end of the phone call. So and my, my youngest daughter's the same way. She's selling stuff on eBay. She's selling stuff on Craigslist. You know, she, I, she, instead of taking things, instead of taking things to, um, you know, to, uh, what's the, um, oh shoot, the, uh, I can't remember, uh, Goodwill. She's like, dad, can we, can we sell that? Well, yeah, why can't we, you know, let's, we, we can sell it. We can take some to Goodwill and we can sell some. So yeah, this, this, I think everything could be attributed to demographics. So the DSOs, it's a byproduct of what's happening. It's an opportunity that they saw or they've been watching and waiting for since 1980 when Sears made their first inroads into this whole, right? So yeah, I mean, I think this is a natural, natural progression and and nothing stays the same forever. Marriages change, the dynamics in human relationships change, industries change. Who's, you know, trust me, someday Amazon's going to get knocked off. They're the biggest thing right now. They'll get knocked off. Apple's going to get knocked off. Microsoft's, all of them. Look at GE right now. They can barely keep their share yeah. price above zero. I mean, they're struggling. And that was a powerhouse in the 80s and 90s. Like, who would have thought GE would be struggling? So, you know, this is it's cyclical. Everything's cyclical. My businesses, your businesses, everything is. So, yeah. Um, what do you, David, what do you think, what do you think a 55 plus year old dentist like what are two or three action steps they could take today to position themselves better? <clears throat> well, I mean, stri- strictly for the dental practice or, f- or overall financially. I, I'm looking at the big picture. So let's talk big picture. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 55 years old yeah. and I'm looking, you know, I've got a, a I've got a, a practice that is moderately successful. You know, yeah. I'm not making a million bucks a year, but maybe I'm netting 250, 300, 400 grand a year. And I'm, I'm listening to this podcast or I'm re- I've read the state of dentistry or I've attended a freedom founders event and I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to see things a little differently. What, what sort of action steps would you suggest to that doctor? Well, Jerry, what, what I see is most doctors, no matter how much they've made in their career, how good they are clinically, how gifted they are, they don't have clarity on what their end game is in years. Me, one should have permission to live life in phases. So as long as somebody's doing what they what they love to do, whether that's still practice dentistry on some basis, uh, two days a week, whatever, uh, part time, uh, self practice re- re- remains associate. I don't care. Do what you want to do. But too many have this idea that that it's this, it's this marathon, right? You get into practice and you just you just you have to gut it through, and you try to make money, and then you try to figure out well where do you invest your money, and you don't know, so you just abdicate it kind of, and you give it to financial advisors. Here's where I'm going a little bit hard on what we do in Freedom Founders. So we always talk about you know begin with the end in mind. 
you know, and, and mm -hmm. that really means to have options, to have a plan B, to be able to be really financially free, you've got to know what your burn rate is, what's your lifestyle burn rate, you know, exclude, ex exclude debt. Hopefully by the time you're exiting, you've, you've removed all cons consumption debt. If not, you've got to add that back in. But what's your burn rate? What do you, what do you need to, to live your lifestyle, the lifestyle that you want to live? And then you back into that. The problem with the financial industry is there's, they, they give you no ability to figure out what that number is. They just say accumulate, 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 accumulate the biggest stockpile you can because, because when we help you exit, this is in the, tr tr the traditional financial planners, they say, well, hopefully you've got stacked up eight or $10 million because then we're going to have you take it out of the stock market. And now we're gonna put it in the bonds and TV, T-bills and CDs because, because it's safe there. Well, what have we been doing all these other years? Well, we gotta play the markets. We gotta play the markets. Hopefully you exit at a high point. Hopefully you do, because if you don't, you exit, you, you sell the prices and then the market drops, you know, as it does in every cycle, then you're, you're back to what? You're back to working again. So they have no game plan. So it's like the big game plan is stack it up. Well, they put this big number out there that says doctors today, if you wanna live the lifestyle you have, because we can't promise you any kind of return on your investment after you retire, you better stack up eight or 10 million bucks. That's honestly what, what we hear from our doctors that come to us who have talked to financial advisors. And I'm going, are you kidding me? I mean, not that that's not it's doable, bullshit. but it's big ass all the way. It's been, and, and, yeah. and, it's, and, and look, here's, here's the news. I wanna give something to the, to the younger docs who are listening to this and going, well, crap, you know, with higher taxes coming my way, uh, with cost of living going up, all the debt I've got to pay off. There's no way. Look, you don't have to have that much. I'm just telling you, you don't have to have that much. If you, if you live below your means, still making a good living, living well, and then understand how to orchestrate your capital investments, which that does include your practice, by the way, that's the primary one, but outside the practice, you know how to orchestrate cash flow, which is what we do in Freedom Founders. Now, now you've got a game plan for exiting. Now you can decide exactly what that exit is going to look like instead of just wondering and just staying on that hamster wheel as long as you can because you're afraid. And I understand the fear. When there's uncertainty, you have fear because you've got hopefully 25, 30 years to live. And yet there's so many unknowns about the cost of living, which I know is gonna go up. I mean, healthcare, as much as we're talking about cost containment, you know, in your older years, it just, it just goes up no matter what you do. So, so getting, your, getting your, your exit plan in place, knowing what your burn rate number is, learning how to orchestrate your, your cash flow uh, in alternative investments, which is where I'm biased, um, is, gives, gives them a doctor, more clarity, Jerry, on how to set up the exit. Most of them just don't have that clarity. They've never run the numbers or had anybody help them run the numbers and give them the confidence to have that predictable cash flow. So now they're stuck and they're mired in this. I don't know what to do. And it's confusion. Yeah. I, I went through that exact exercise. I had this vision in my head that I needed 6 million bucks to retire. Right. And I mean, when you are, you know, the older you get, I'm, I'm 47 right now. So the older you get, you know, the closer you get to your expiration date, as Mike Abernathy says, you know, from your born on date, right. going to Budweiser, um, to me, you know, you, you begin to, your, your perspective begins to change and you're, and you begin to think about, okay, how much money do I need? Right. And so I went through that exercise and you know what, 6 million, 8 million, 10 million, it's all BS. It's here's what, here's what you need cash flow. Yes. You don't need a big mountain of cash. You need cash flow. And that can be achieved through some of the things that you talk about. So, you know, I mean, like, for example, I, I just bought a duplex. You know, I'm sitting there looking at the rents. I've got this tremendous opportunity to increase rents today. I've got a tremendous opportunity to increase my rents next year. And you know what? The nice thing is the only thing that goes up when I buy a duplex are property taxes and the one utility that I have to deal with. Oh, and maybe landscaping. But it doesn't, it doesn't rise at the rate of my rent, my no. rent increases. And no. so, I mean, and the other nice thing about a rental property and I mean, not to just focus on that one thing, but this is just an example, is you, you catch inflation, right? It's like owning a business. When you own a business, your business 
prices increase as inflation increases. And so it's a hedge. It's a natural hedge. And so selling a dental practice may not be the best decision. Instead, understanding how to become a CEO, yes. an owner, an owner doctor who has other doctors working is a wonderful way to go. And those are skills. That's not like brain surgery. Those are skills. If you want to learn them, you can learn them. Um, David, we're uh, we're at the end of our, our time here. Man, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a charged half hour or so, and I appreciate that. Um, how do folks get in touch with you? How do they learn more about Freedom Founders? Because I'm a big fan. I'm a big supporter of Freedom Founders. And I think every dentist who's at that point where they're beginning to think about plan B, they're beginning to think about exit. And this isn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but this isn't really for somebody who's like right out of dental school, right? I mean, this is really for somebody who's got some time under their belt. They're looking at the next phase. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people, uh, including yourself, Jerry, that, that, that we like to refer people to when they're still working, need to work hard on their optimizing their practice, whatever that model is. Uh, we love to, to send people to you because you, you've got the marketing down pat. You understand it. You've been in the business. So, so we like to take people, yes, that they've got some assets. They've got the practice. It's not, it's not perfect because it never is. Uh, and they, may, they right. may still be five or seven years out from wanting to exit, but building that blueprint in advance is the way it gives them freedom. So best place to, to find, find more about us is at freedomfounders.com. And also, like you have a podcast, which is the Dentist Freedom Blueprint Podcast. You can catch us there on iTunes or Stitcher and, and pick up some of the, the threads we have going there. Yeah, and I, I highly recommend it. I mean, you know, um, podcasts are a great way to get information and consume it. You're in your car. You ought to be learning something while you're driving around or letting your Tesla drive you to and from wherever it is you're going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, check out David's podcast. You also have a book. I highly recommend your book. It's on Amazon. Just, you know, probably go to Amazon. Just hit up David Phelps, right? And, and they'll find your book. Um, so, David, appreciate your time. As always, um, get in touch with David uh, if you have questions. And thanks again for tuning into the Jerry Jones Direct Radio Show. We'll catch you next time.